Hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the COVID-19 virus in the Cayman Islands. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about issues around um, Grand Cayman. Uh, I'm here today with... Georgie Hyder. Jake Murphy. Ethan Inkley. And Luke Neyman. <laughs> All right, so the... Uh... First, uh, our first order is discussing the beginning of lockdown in the Cayman Islands and, um, and basically discussing the, the timeline of everything that happened. I mean, we were here obviously last year um, for March, but actually government officials allegedly met as early as January um, to discuss um, the readiness um, of Cayman for COVID-19. Um, and then of course in February, um, the public first heard uh, about the government's upcoming plans, um, but it wasn't until March, of course, that we received a visitor from Italy um, who brought who brought the virus to the Cayman Islands. Um, as of right now, do, is is he still the only death? Do we know uh, there's two. Sure? There are two deaths now. There's two deaths. Do we think that this guy who brought it here is it his fault or was it coming here and spreading all over was inevitable? was it inevitable i mean um i think honestly it was probably inevitable um because travel bans may not have been implemented yeah. without um or at least security yeah. would not have been as tight maybe without the threat yeah um, there were having it already entered the borders there were like thousands of tourists coming each day still through yeah. uh cruise ships yeah. even even yeah. though there were a whole bunch of uh cases on cruise ships yeah definitely like mm-hmm. keeping the cruise ships and all the other tourism stuff coming into the island across the border like i think it was pretty inevitable that we have a case obviously when we did shut down the borders i think we actually we, we had a very, very low amount of COVID cases coming onto the island, so. Yeah, I think we should step back and admire for a minute just the, uh, the, the sheer swiftness of the government in implementing these measures. Um, 14 of March, man passes away from COVID-19. That's our first patient, um, you know, passing away. And then only two days later, um, Schools are completely closed, and that's something that affected us, you know, directly. Um, home learning started, so I mean, within a span of two days, um, clearly the government was was ready to act, right? And they they probably were planning before, because I know at least in the school side, the government schools are very um, well structured throughout the uh, home learning part of their their year last year. Yeah, yeah, they had like. Um, packets that they gave they gave out like every week and stuff I mean obviously there is a disparity between um, public and private schools um, with regard to access to technology and that certainly right. had some effect on the response of those respective education systems but I think you know knowing what we know now the the public now knows that the government was discussing COVID procedures as early as January. Um, yeah, I think it's very clear that, that um, structure um, and, and at least the vague outline of some plan um, beforehand, it, it goes a long way with um, preventing further spread. And even looking at other islands like Jamaica that didn't do that, I mean, they're in hell right now. Yeah, it's no, pretty it's, bad it's very true. And, and a big part of that is, is um, the value of, of tourism 
placed on these respective um, of, of islands. And we're definitely going to discuss those further implications um, later down the line on today's show. Um, what were you guys thinking when you went, you went into lockdown? Obviously, we had different kinds. Hard lockdown, it was like two days inside. Right, yeah. Thoughts? Well, uh, I guess obviously during hard lockdown, it's uh, quite difficult to, because it's a very big jump going from an open, uh, like free society almost. And it's almost kind of scary the fact that this pandemic, a lot of people, it was the government was able to force this. But luckily in uh, Cayman Islands, at least, we didn't have very many protests or anything to do with government uh, controlling or uh, infringing on people's rights, which was in a lot of countries, especially the U.S., which right. caused lockdown yeah. to be yeah. very difficult. Well, and, and it begs to be mentioned that our lockdown was profoundly stricter than the U.S. was, right. of course. I mean, we had, um, there was exercise, I mean, it was only in April that even exercise between 5.15 and 6.45 was allowed. Yeah. I mean, um, the only thing that stayed open was what? Does anybody remember? What didn't close during our lockdown? I, I don't remember. Liquor stores, you know, we're not allowed to go to the beach, we can't go anywhere, but for some reason liquor stores were allowed to be open. It just kind of tells you about like the mind of the country, the culture, the identity of the country. Um, and I mean, to an extent, everybody stayed home, everybody did their part. Right. And if you're looking at places like the US, like they just, you know, yeah. they were chaos. They weren't able to lock yeah. everybody down. Well, yeah. Yeah, we like the like you said, Jake, the the lockdown like rules and stuff were implemented really quickly. And I think the nature of the lockdown being so strict, um, but also just the the lack of anyone like well not anyone, but there was very few infringements on the lockdown's right, rules yeah. and no one really protested it. Um, it went over way smoother than it than lockdown rules did in almost any other country and so yeah we were able to deal with it really quickly i think i think they're going to be attributed almost to two separate um reasons one being that in cayman um there was a general respect i think for um the health and safety of our community yeah and the second reason being that um almost as kind of a uh uh, an outgrowth of that, being a small community, we, we didn't want to infringe or, or endanger the health of our neighbors, of you know those we actually know, because I think having a community that we have in the Cayman Islands um, you know, is conducive to a, a kind of general sentiment of you know, brotherhood, more so than in the U.S. I mean, it's, the U.S. is just a, a massive nation, so there is not as much fostered there. Um, so I think we should also discuss possibly the, how the livelihood of Caymanians were influenced during these um, first few months. I mean, it wasn't until May um, that boating for the purposes of fishing was allowed. And so we have Caymanians surviving on, who usually would survive on, you know, fishing, um, not only for themselves, but of course for, for funds. Um, and then they were all of a sudden completely um, right. restricted. So I think... I mean, you could talk about like the tourism industry as a whole leading into this. Sure, yeah. yeah. One of our basic, like, biggest uh, sectors in terms of employment, not in terms of uh, 
financial or the economy, but in terms of general employment um, and spreading the wealth, uh, it's really uh, tourism. Um, you know, we have, if you go into town, uh, we have our whole cruise port and we have Hard Rock Cafe. We have all these different um, places for tourists to go um, that's kind of designated towards uh, the cruise demographic. Um, but then also just on the beach all over, we have uh, places like Turtle Center. We have Stingray City. We're a big tourism hotspot. And there's so many jobs that are actually created coming from this. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so when you have all these people that don't have work and you have these companies that usually could get off um, paying smaller salaries to uh, expats coming from Jamaica, Nicaragua, the Philippines, Philippines yeah, of they all have to leave the island because they can no longer afford uh, kind of like the high cost of living here. For sure. Yeah. I, I also think that uh, it's, it's uh, like surprising almost to me because of all the effects, especially because we have a quite large tourism industry compared to our like GDP. Right. Yet there were, there were barely any protests about lockdown or uh, any of the lack of tourism that resulted from the pandemic. Yeah. I think it, uh, most of that was just from like this personal connection, like how they had the meetings like uh, every week where you would get to the press briefings where everyone would ask questions through the media sources and you would get to talk to like the premier, the minister of health and uh, like the doctors who were on the front line. Yeah, I think also like, I think there was also like kind of a mutual understanding throughout the island that like, even though there's a lot of people that depend on the tourism industry, it was pretty well understood that it's a major risk opening our borders. Right. And not only that, that the quicker that we implement like hard lockdown rules and we, we kind of get over this, mm -hmm. the, the faster we can kind of get back to operating as closely to normal as we can. Obviously, um, opening borders is a debate of its own, but the faster we can deal with it, the faster we can kind of and, and I think that that is indicative of an overarching dissent that you can kind of apply to a lot of nations. And um, I mean, particularly, I'll use this uh, example again, the United States. Um, it's an argument between health and economy, you know, health which and one health and wealth, which one is valued more by um, by the government of a nation. And I think in our situation, even though Cayman is um, it's almost impossible for Cayman to reach a state of, of self-sufficiency, right. um, economically speaking, and yet we had to sacrifice um, a lot of a lot of our assets in the financial sector um, in order to protect the health and lives of all of our citizens. So I mean, it's funny, like the financial sector, like their second quarter was one of the like greatest quarters they've ever had. Right. You kind of kind of can look into the Cayman Islands as a kind of a place in that economically. Right. It's like people are putting in their money maybe into banks, uh, maybe into other ventures, but the money's coming through here. And while, uh, yeah, we have this tourism sector, it's like we also have yeah, you're right. the financial you're, sector. You're definitely right. It's a lot less effective. It's not right? to underplay the, the, the effects it's had on the tourism yeah. industry, but it does go to show that um, Cayman's place on the world stage is not entirely one-sided. I mean, we do have um, 
a lot to offer to um, globalization, right. I think, um, besides just tourism, but also besides just finances. We have, um, you know, a little, a little bit of a, two facets that we largely contribute to um, Western civilization. I think another important part to think about is the kind of bullet we dodged with the whole port. Like, yeah, just yeah. imagining if yeah. that was built and we went yeah. through this, we would have so, we would have a lot more, I don't know, I mean, we obviously would have been helped with the money from the cruise ports and stuff, or cruise ship companies that um, wanted the port to be built, but that would be another big expense yeah. that we would be taking care of amid all of this and the government's already spending enough money and not really and, gaining that much. And the much. big sacrifice that was pushed was always maybe there will be environmental impacts, but at least we'll be receiving a lot of tourist funds. We would only be experiencing the negative effects yeah. of its construction. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's just a question of like even like like building that port and then not being able to receive cruise ships for you know at least a year and possibly we don't know how how much longer into the future but obviously that's a massive like the return that we were supposed to get on that investment of building the port by bringing in cruise ships is obviously lost so yeah, like you said it's just a massive like it, it's basically like a burden and it's like right, right. do we do we want to try and it would, it would also i feel like maybe cause a bit more of a push to to open our borders earlier because you know, we'd be needing to see a return on that on that construction, and we'd be wanting right. to get more cruise ships in as early as we can to to recoup, mm -hmm. recoup some of that money. So it may have actually affected the lockdown like regulations as well. Right. Well, the impact. I mean, considering tourism in in the era of Cayman today, um, obviously in in June all curfews were lifted. Um, the emphasis focused. It was shifted from stay home Cayman right. to stay safe Cayman. Um, and so now there, there are more relaxed travel um, limitations, but um, I don't know, what, what is your take on the current state of tourism in Cayman and how can this economic sector recover? Well, I think a big part of what helped them start to recover was this massive boom in um, staycations. It's like mm -hmm. places were able to get um, big popularity, like once as we, uh, came out of lockdown, obviously. Um, people wanted to kind of have some sort of vacation, so they would go to places like the Ritz, mm -hmm. Kimpton, with lower rates um, and no tourists. It becomes a much more like uh, appealing uh, destination. So uh, in terms of coming out of it, uh, tourism will end up being fine because there's money coming from the government for paying... Um, uh, kind of employees that stayed here um, but then they were just kind of able to bounce back uh, with the demographic here. I, th I think also um, a big factor that really helped us in this lockdown situation was um, the the government's um, uh, giving people uh, checks mm -hmm. during the lockdown. I think it was probably one of the most efficient um, systems that I've, I've seen personally right. my experience with the government and how they they gave out uh, people applied for these checks and mm -hmm. they were able to get them out quickly which I think was something that was lacking in a lot of larger communities such right. as the US well, such as in yeah. Europe I mean the issue is with larger nations like the US and stimulus checks um, 
I know for the U.S., as a matter of fact, they had to mint um, two platinum coins, I, I believe, that were each worth, what, one, one trillion dollars? Something like that. To, to actually mint new money to put into the economy. So, um, to some extent, stimulus checks are, um, it's, it's with, with large countries like the U.S., I mean, you always have to balance things like inflation, but um, I agree the government was very effective here in Cayman in, um, in helping its citizens get back on its feet. And I think also, if, if we can, if we can impl implement rules sorry, that are going to get us through a lockdown stages faster, mm -hmm. then the government knows that it can you know, distribute these checks because it won't have to sustain them for, right, yeah. for a long period of time, like in the U.S., obviously. They've been having to do the stimulus checks for a while now, whereas yeah. here, if you're only in hard lockdown for yeah. you know, like half a year or something like that. I want to address another tourist issue um, real quick before we move on. Um, do you think that this pandemic marks the end of the cruise ship era of the Cayman Islands? Because I've heard rumors of this kind of talk, um, you know, amongst the, um, the, the tourist economy here on Cayman. But most of our funds come from flights and long-term stays. Well, I think, um, like, cruise ship tourism is especially beneficial for um, the, like, surrounding areas, such as Georgetown Harbor and all of the shops and all of the places down there, especially get uh, more people through this uh, cruise industry. But I think that, uh, like... The cruise industry is actually volatile in the places that it usually is. Like, like in Venice, you know, they stopped uh, having large cruise ships in as soon as uh, there was an accident. Just one accident, that's all it took, right? So I think that, um, and we've had also a couple accidents ourselves with the cruise ships putting their anchors down onto the reef. And I think that this uh, lockdown is kind of like a, a last... Uh, well, it was the last straw kind of because mm -hmm. also the coronavirus was that was the first major places that was hitting it was hitting the cruise ships like there were right. cruise ships that were right. locked down you couldn't leave the boat for almost two months there were people on these cruise ships and so not only big spreaders in like, came in yeah. but around the world yeah. cruise ships yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the cruise industry is over after this maybe in no. Cayman yeah but well, there will there will always be of people. course there will always be cruise ships yeah, around the world but ships. I just mean here in Cayman with the cessation of the plans for the port um, the I mean obviously cruise ship companies are no longer right. operating but um, when Cayman closed borders um, companies that were still operating you know removed Cayman from their right. list of islands yeah. um, I I think obviously there will be. A resurgence, obviously, in cruise and uh, cruises down the line here in Cayman, but I don't know if I can see it returning to to previous, uh, you know, levels of yeah. you know, tourist revenue. I I, I kind of see uh, how kind of the government uh, before this coronavirus and all this lockdown, when they were pushing the port, it was almost like there was kind of a disconnect between the government and like the people. Mm -hmm. But I think kind of through the coronavirus and through the quarantine and the lockdown, people have now gained like a newfound respect for the government. And I also think that the government has realized how kind of important it is to care for the residents now that there are, were no tourists on the island. So I think that moving forward, uh, I think the government will try and 
voice the uh, residents more than yeah. the tourism. I think I think it's definitely shown that although tourism is a major part of our island, we're not dependent on it. We don't need mm. tourism to sustain our island. Um, and sort of connecting off that, um, obviously a lot of businesses were like kind of at least temporarily shut down during the lockdown. But when the lockdown ended, um, obviously more stuff opened up and might, what, in, in your opinion, do you think it was a, there was a major shift in like the businesses that were now operating as soon as lockdown ended? Um, so now we're going to move on to um, more of the border side of the quarantine and lockdown within the Cayman Islands. So um, as we were in uh, quarantine and during the hard lockdown, the government also uh, made uh, future plans to kind of open up the tourism industry as although there weren't many complaints, there was some serious um, uh, problems with people not having their jobs when other uh, businesses were open, mm -hmm. um, such as like the uh, real estate industry financial and financial stuff. industry, yeah. they could all work from right. home. While we kind of left the people like the scuba divers and of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. all these all, people All kinds behind. of charter businesses. So yeah, we, we kind of had this uh, point where um, they set a date and when the date came along, it was October. Yeah. It didn't open. I, I wrote my paper, my extended essay on this whole thing, and it was my original date was October 1st. Mm -hmm. That's when the borders were opening. That's when uh, this could go back to normal. So it was like my hypothesis kind of came to an end at October 1st. And then it's like March 1st, yeah. May 1st, yeah. Yeah. summer 2021. So it's kind of this whole thing where as a business, um, if you're being told to prepare for this date, to reopen borders, coming back yeah. to business, yeah. doing renovations to set up for this date, for and sure. then it's just not happening, like I, they've just put you in a worse position. At, at the same time, while I completely agree, I mean, we always have to be looking out for the safety of Cayman. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that these are tentative um, predictions only because um, the Cayman government can't necessarily predict where the rest of the world will be in mm -hmm, you know, exactly. one month, two months. It, yeah. Exactly. It's, def yeah, it's definitely dependent on yeah. the rest of the world. No matter how prepared we are on the island, it's, it's really about managing risk from outside sources. And I think vaccinated yeah. travel is probably, is probably the, the next way to go moving right. forward. You know. Yeah, and I also think there was a lot of uh, struggle with a lot of these tourism businesses as they try to cater towards um, residents. Like, uh, for example, I know there was, um, during the summer of last year, there was um, a lot of like diving um, businesses that tried to do uh, like summer camps for mm -hmm. kids or right. do um, deals and stuff. But um, there weren't exactly that many, um, like that can't really support all of the tourism we have here. Right, right. You know, because we would have thousands of people a day, like 7,000 people, 12,000 people right. on cr cruise ships. And at one point we even had um, about seven cruise ships coming in per day. Right. And like 
Yeah. I mean, as, as much as I hate to say it, I think it has to trigger a fundamental shift in the focus of the Cayman economy away from tourism, at least yeah. for, you know, ha maybe the next five years, because tourism levels will not recover instantaneously. Following, yeah. you know, widespread vaccination for COVID-19, um, it's still going to take a while for travel yeah. to pick back up. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that there's going to be um, some sort of structural unemployment within like the tourism industry mm -hmm. but the thing is is we have such a base in this tourism is that where are all where are all these people gonna where are they all gonna have go of where are they well at their jobs and i think that i think that's the issue the issue is not yeah. necessarily opening up borders for the tourism industry to re-employ people who had to cut mm -hmm. but maybe find other ways that came in can be useful um on the global stage and uh and I think honestly, looking for business opportunities, employment opportunities for Caymanians who are cut from the tourism industry in other industries that would be useful in Cayman would be um, a beneficial step that maybe the government could, could look into taking in it. Yeah, there's also, well, cause there's a large problem because our two main kind of facets of industry are uh, tourism and finance, which are right. two very starkly of different course, yeah. uh, industries and we barely have any agriculture we don't have any export businesses right. really we don't yeah. export anything and uh i mean yeah, I, so it's just going to be difficult it's really just about diversification of the economy like you have to branch out into other things and where there were people working in the tourism industry previously they're now unemployed they can work uh in doing something else so i think it could end up being a beneficial thing if tourism never comes back then it'll just be lifting kind of the economy here like there's a lot of people working building development and just kind of increasing it so here. My I will say question. I think the, uh, the I will say I think the, as far as the financial the offshore stuff has definitely helped us a lot right. like the fact that we don't have to have face-to-face -face meetings and most of the stuff can be do, well, done offshore but but Cayman is limited by its its natural resources so we have to rely on on um, financial stuff not, not necessarily financial the financial sector but um, ways that Cayman can contribute to the global economy um, through sheer manpower. I mean, certainly we have um, citizens willing to work, and I think if we can find ways to take advantage of our populace rather than our lack, or our natural resources or lack thereof, then those are the uh, sectors that Cayman should invest themselves in. So my question for you guys is, what do you think, in the next five years at least, will be the uh, next tourism industry as i say what will what will really replace it yeah replace the tourism well, industry. well financial the financial sector is going to continue to grow and probably take uh, many from the tourism industry with it only because um, of of that sector's failures obviously due to yeah i don't think something like agriculture could even think about taking over the financial um, kind of sector of our, our economy. I think it's just so big and it's it's like it's just so far ahead of all the other sectors we have and now that it's only real competitor tourism is on the ropes. I mean right. it's going to take a while for tourism to get back to the same height and yeah. the financial district is going to grow off of the fact that um, it, it's, it's a lot of offshore stuff that we do here right. and mm -hmm. by having closed borders it, 
almost kind of incentivizes that because people mm-hmm. aren't allowed to come down here, so they'll just do offshore well, stuff. We should be wary of, of a homogenous kind of contribution to um, global trade, um, you know, solely in the financial sector. I think the diversity that finance and tourism brought um, was in many ways beneficial because it, it diversified, you know, what came and could contribute. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think like you said, Jake, the the fact that we have very few natural resources as well as the fact that obviously the borders are closed at the moment means that basically any any new industry or business that we would would think about investing heavily would have would be relying on some kind of offshore system or or done digitally since yeah digitally i mean the, the digital sector obviously came in it's not super invested in right now but that is something that is something they can move into i I actually disagree um with you guys i think that the two um most upcoming i think um industries that we'll probably see the most growth in in the next five years would be the medical industry and the construction and development industry i i you know what those those are excellent points actually The, the uh health industry um, with Health City being built, mm-hmm. I mean, we now have um, the most state-of-the-art hospital in the, in the entire Caribbean, equipped with machines that are rarely found um, in the U.S., and we fly in patients for heart surgeries, for instance. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think, obviously, like, I think, especially with that being built, I think there was, like, an increased uh, amount of, basically, like, um, medical tourism, I mm-hmm. guess, people coming here in order to get work done, obviously... 100%. Obviously, that's a little less possible now, but I do definitely think that can be an industry that can be grown, and people yeah. can could probably still get brought down here to do like important surgeries and that. I yeah. also think, on par with the uh, construction industry, it's there's a lot of space for development as there's you know there's a lot of land that's undeveloped. So you know, Father Dark, exactly, Father Dark. Mm-hmm. 